Welcome to IBBA Insights, providing expert advice on buying or selling small businesses. IBBA Insights is presented by the International Business Brokers Association, the world's largest nonprofit organization for those helping others sell or buy businesses. Now, here's your host, Press Diglio. Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome to IBBA Insights. We're back for an exciting new year of, of podcast episodes to bring to you. And today's episode, um, we're recording it right after the start of the new year 2022. So we were thinking about what would make for a great show at the beginning of a year. Well, every year we know the President of the United States has a State of the Union address. So I thought it might be fun to get a pulse, ch- uh, pulse check on Main Street and lower middle market business. So what better way to do that than to talk to the leaders of two of the greatest business broker and M&A associations in the world, the International Business Brokers Association and the M&A Source. So first, I'd like to introduce to you Randy Bring. He's the chair of the board and chief governance officer of the IBBA and with Transworld Business Advisors in Fort Lauderdale. Randy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Hello, everybody. Happy to have you here. Um, and, and next, I'd like to introduce Jeff Swigert, who's the chair of the board of the M&A Source. Jeff is also the owner of VR Business Sales in New Haven. Jeff, welcome to IBBA Insights. Yeah, thank you, Chris. And then a happy new year to everybody out there. So, gentlemen, we have a limited amount of time and a lot of things I'd like to cover. So other than welcoming you into the show and thanking you for taking time out to come on, I want to congratulate both of you on becoming chairs of each of your association. Uh, Job well done, gentlemen, and best of luck to you this year. Thank you, Chris. Thanks. Thank you. It's quite an honor. So it it is, and and I know you're both going to do a great job. I'm members of both associations, so I'm counting on you both uh, being great leaders this year. No pressure. So, (laughs) Uh, you know, (laughs) since, since both of you serve different markets and our listeners are either they either sell represents maybe own businesses in both main street or lower middle market i want to ask you guys the same questions but get your perspective as it pertains to people in each of your associations so i'm going to start off first with randy and randy i i think the the listeners out there would like to kind of hear the 2022 outlook for main street uh, business sales, maybe some of the challenges, opportunities that are out there. But if you could talk to us about what you foresee possibly in 2022 in Main Street uh, business. Sure. I'm happy to. And, and Chris, thank you again for the opportunity and the privilege of, of joining you on the podcast today. Well, 2022, uh, there are both challenges and opportunities from the, the Main Street and Upper Main Street uh, perspective. And, and I think both the challenge and the opportunities are, are tied into what I expect and what I hope is this once in a lifetime uh, game changing event known as a worldwide pandemic that we've all been dealing with for, for 20 plus months right now. On the, on the challenge side, um, certainly at, at Main Street, and, and this may very well also uh, apply to, to some of the larger uh, lower mid-market deals. But, but for Main Street, uh, most of our clients have been impacted uh, by what has 
has happened over the last couple of years. And, and certainly operationally and financially, uh, a lot of our clients have, have gotten hurt. A lot of our sellers have been negatively impacted. And, and some of them, in fact, have fared fairly well. And so I, I think the challenge is that when we are representing a business um, and we're telling the story of, a, of, of our client's business, that the the COVID um, impact adds another level of scrutiny to a company, whereas in prior years there's a set number of of comments and concerns that a buyer has when they look at a business. Now there's this whole level of how did this business perform uh, during COVID and what is the impact? How well, if at all, this business was able to uh, to pivot. And so it's, it's the broker's challenge to be able to tell that story uh, to a buyer and to be able to explain why that business continues to be a, a, a good investment for that buyer. The opportunity side is also tied into, uh, into COVID, uh, surprisingly enough. Um, the opportunities for Main Street business brokers, I, I think this year and in the next year or so, are to identify those businesses who have thrived, who have done very well, despite having dealt this COVID uh, impact blow over the last few years and, and, uh, and shine a spotlight on those businesses. Those types of companies, certainly at Main Street and maybe beyond, are going to have a lot of attention on them. They successfully were able to work their way through COVID and, and, um, and there's going to be a lot of a lot of great value in those businesses. So both challenge and opportunities, I think, are tied into the events of the last two years. Well, thank you for sharing that, Jeff. I'd ask you the same question uh, on the lower middle market side for the members of the M&A source. That what you know, what's the outlook in 2022? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, you know, I think I think 2022 should be sort of a continuation of 2021. You know, which was a, a great year for lower middle market transactions. I mean, I've been scumming off a of a twenty twenty, which was not a good year for transactions, I think probably of any size for that matter. But but uh you know, what's what's really I mean, what what has become sort of the predominant kind of market makers in, in the lower middle market is really the private equity community. And so uh, you know, twenty twenty, a lot of those buyers sort of Took took uh, you know took the approach of waiting till more clarity sort of came about with with what was going on with the pandemic and I think when they got through 2020 they looked at 2021 and saw that the world was still there and they had a lot of capital that was still sitting on the sidelines from 2020 that they had to deploy and so the you know the transaction market sort of hit all time highs. Uh, by the end of this year, and you know, I think GF data was suggesting that multiples were reached in the third quarter a record high, so uh, uh, all-time high in terms of their records for lower middle market transactions. So, so I, I don't see that changing. You know, I mean, I, unless unless what what will change it if something happens with the economy, but but uh, there's still a lot of capital sitting out there to be deployed. Um, you know, and I think uh, it, 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 it needs to get deployed. So I think the other thing that we kind of tend to see in our, our market, lower middle market transactions is, is, you know, we've all, anybody who's been in this industry for a period of time 
sort of talks about uh, and operates in the lower middle market, talks about that demographic wave that's coming of baby boomer business owners that are, are looking to sell. And, you know, I see that sort of increasingly driving the market. I mean, that's all who I speak with these days. And, and uh, um, you know, it's a good time to sell. And they've been through a lot, these owners, between 2008 and the pandemic. And, and a lot of them are just tired and they want to, they want to, sell when the selling is good so i expect this year will be a another good year so that kind of leads into my next question and I'll, and, and jeff will just continue on with you um do you look in the lower middle market right now is it being a buyer's market or a seller's market uh yeah i mean it's a seller's market i mean i think that uh um you know multiples are are at an all-time high um you know, there there are if if you have the right business in the right market, you will see you will have no problem finding a buyer, and you will receive multiple offers uh, for any deal that's that's that uh, you put in the marketplace. And so I think it's uh, um, you know if it's the right business. I'm not saying all businesses get that in all markets, but uh, there's a tremendous amount of activity out there. And a lot of it's being, you know, there's a money's cheap and there's a lot of it in the private equity community and they have to put it to work. There's a lot of interest. And, it's and, and I want to talk to you guys about higher models. Yeah. And I want to talk to you guys about money in just a second. I want to hear from Randy on the, on the main street side, those that are, that have, you know, smaller type businesses. I mean, are, are you seeing it right now as being a buyer's market or, or a seller's market? Yeah, so so this is a great question, and certainly I agree with with Jeff in that it is a seller's market for sellers that has successfully navigated through through this disruption over the last couple of years. We are seeing a, a very high multiples for these companies and a spotlight on those businesses at the main street number main street level, and a lot of interest and a lot of uh, a lot of attraction from uh, from buyers looking at, at companies that have just sort of weathered the storm. On the flip side, there is a, a number of businesses that have uh, have not fared very well over the last couple of years. Um, some industries hurt more than others. Some of our service companies, some of our light manufacturing, certainly food and beverage, a uh, number of our our sellers have been uh, have have been negatively impacted. For those types of businesses, for a buyer that's seeking a a low priced business, a built out business with an infrastructure, with staff, employees, with some goodwill in the neighborhood, with a lease that's in place that that has good uh, market terms, a lot of buyers have taken advantage of this opportunity to acquire businesses that have gotten beaten up and the owners of those businesses have just said i'm through i'm done i don't have the wherewithal to hang out another two to five years build back to pre-covid levels uh i'm ready to retire and for that for those types of businesses it's very much a buyer's market so a little bit of both yeah and very I, interesting you know, i'll add to that chris yeah a little bit. I mean, I would agree with what Randy is saying there. Is I think that uh, you know, um, uh, if 
but I, I think buyers, even in the low, in the lower middle market, are still making judgments about people's businesses exiting the pandemic. And so, you know, even businesses that did exceptionally well in the pandemic, I think you, you, uh, um, so that their revenues went way up and their earnings went way up because of the, the product that they were selling. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get the valuation they'd hope to get, or if they're going to get it, they're going to have to earn it out with some proof that, uh, um, you know, that the, the, the revenues stay with, 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 with the pandemic, um, exiting. So, uh, you know, I think it, you have to balance that all out and, and buyers are discriminating in that way. So, uh, but for businesses that stayed solid all the way through, you know, their, their products, I mean, they've, they've had sort of healthy, healthy growth and healthy margins, sort of predictable growth, predictable margins all the way through, or there's no better time to sell than right now. You know, but sellers are funny creatures, right? They'll tell you, I had the best year I've ever had in my life. And they think that yeah. that puts them at the top of the mountaintop. And, and it's kind of like, I tell this story, I've sold a number of businesses in the roofing industry and it. And it's kind of like a roofing company telling you, well, we had our best last couple of years we've ever had. Right. Well, yeah, because you're in Florida and there was a hurricane that went through and there are all these reroofs <laughs> to do. But there's a cycle right. on that one happens. So typically when someone buys a company like that, they're going back to the last hurricane and seeing what happened and the lifespan and what the sales are like and how yeah. they came back down. And, and a smart buyer is, is certainly going to do that. But yeah, just because you're at the top right now doesn't mean that it's they're going to get what they want. But there's certainly going to be desired and especially the company that had continuous growth prior to the pandemic, during the pandemic, and still today, they're, they're in a really good seat. I, I think those are the yes. companies that are, are seeing the really high multiples. Yes, exactly. Right. Right. That's exactly so it. So yep. let's talk money. And because everyone loves to talk about money, especially if it's in their bank account, right? So but money, <laughs> we, money makes the world go around, they say, and we need money to get these acquisitions done. So Let's start on the Main Street side. I know the SBA could still be used some capacity on uh, on the deals that are, are a little larger also. But for, on SBA, Randy and Jeff, if you want to chime in on this also uh, regarding SBA. But Randy, I'd like to know, how, how is the lending market? Has it changed at all? Have the bank's yeah. criteria become more difficult? Is it is it more challenging to get a loan done these days? Yeah, well, again, another great on point question and, and obviously my response is anecdotal it's 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 uh it's derived from my observations as a as a very active business broker but one that does about half of his deals over the course of a year with uh sba 7a or 504 loan products in my opinion and certainly those of of my associates it, it has gotten a little tougher um and i think here are the reasons why uh, first of all Last year or so, uh, a number of, uh, of government PPP-related incentives were injected into the uh, loan process itself, making the, the idea of using an SBA 7A loan to purchase a business that much more appealing. Uh, months of, of payments were given away, closing costs were given away, and so although I don't, I'm not a fly on the wall of of the uh, underwriting department committee meeting, uh, it's clear that there have been what is likely a, a, a record number of applications 
uh, for SBA loans. And I think the banks, whether they admit it or not, have the opportunity to be just a little bit more selective in who they're going to lend money to. Um, some of these PPP incentives carry over into this year at a limited level. And I can tell you, I've seen somewhat slower responses uh, in responding to loan applications. And uh, so I, I, I think the, uh, the dials have been turned up just a little bit in terms of getting deals pushed through and ultimately successfully funding a small business with an SBA loan. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think Randy. I mean, we, we, you know, the, our our members uh, frequently will employ, you know, SBA lending uh, for deals that are sort of under five or six million dollars. And uh, um, you know, I mean, what I've seen, and even kind of in our own shop on the SBA side, is that there's there there there's a lot of sort of aggressive marketing in terms of looking for deals. And uh, but it doesn't mean. But I, I'd say, say that actually underwriting standards are still pretty stiff. And um, you know you may have to talk to a lot of banks before you get the right deal and before you get it written on the whole thing. But you know it's it's also clear to me that they're they're anxious to lend money. And so uh, and I would say on the you know the larger deals. Um, you know what what we've seen in the market is the private equity community funding deals with less equity and more debt you know instead of three times equity they're doing four times equity on the debt and uh uh and that's you know it's because of the availability of capital the availability of of uh money from non-bank lenders you know mes lenders that whole community of of, of institutions lending to for, for transactions, so uh, there's just a lot more of it, and that's what's creating sort of multiple expansion in our in our business, you know, in our world. When we look at the private equity so, and we look at SBA, a lot of times, a lot of times there's crossover, um, and then we'll also see no different than like the IBBA and the M&A Source, right? Two great associations, and you have a lot of crossover members. Sometimes you'll have people that are members of both. And you have people that that'll do deals in, in both size ranges, but then you look at um, where the IBBA member sometimes touches a lot of the businesses that maybe some of the M&A source members would work on because there's a private equity group out there. They have a they purchased a company, they have a platform company, and they're looking for add-on acquisitions. So now they'll look at deals that are that are lower than the criteria that they might normally look for. So. So Jeff, in the world of, of uh, in your world, has there been a? We know there's a lot of money placed. We know it's to be placed. We know it's available and it, it's cheap at this time. But has the criteria changed with these equity groups uh, that are looking for add-on acquisitions as far as the the sizes that they're they're looking for? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think uh, um, you know, you'll you'll often talk to private equity groups and they'll advertise the fact, you know, we don't do anything add-ons no less than a million bucks but just to need it to but you know if you have something interesting out there that's generating a half a million bucks in the just to need it to, that that fits well with with one of their platform investments then they're talking to you about buying the business so i think it's uh you know it has as they search for more opportunities and as they have to deploy more capital and make their platform investments 
more valuable and more attractive. If, if uh, yeah, they have, they are reaching down into the market to find those kinds of opportunities. You know, we run at the MA Source, we run these virtual deal markets, uh, or, or even when members come to our conference to shop their deals around to the private equity community. Um, you know, we're encouraging them to, to, to show them those deals that they look interesting that are, that are generating that range of half a million bucks of adjusted EBITDA. So yeah, it's uh, there are always lots of opportunities for the right business. You know? Yeah, and Chris, I I would just echo uh, Jeff's comments by telling you uh, mid Main Street, upper upper Main Street, the touches that we are getting from private equity has clearly shown that uh, if it's a if it's a good add-on to an existing platform and the parts really really fit well. I mean, I've seen them express very, very low minimum requirements. I mean, they're looking for right. bulk. Uh, they're looking for management, uh, perhaps the seller to stay on. And, and so we've received some very, very interesting responses from private equity where the fit is very, very good on really typical, ordinary Main Street businesses. I think that's exciting. I like that. Right. And... It excites it excites me because for years I looked at the relationship of the IBBA and the M&A source as, as so exciting. So shameless plug for both associations, IBBA members, this is why you need to look at a, an M&A source and because you may have a deal. You may say, well, I'm not a lower middle market person, but you're going to run across a deal where they may be looking for add-ons. And now all of a sudden your business fits or you might want to, in your search for prospective buyers for that business, you know, look for a, uh, someone that that already has a larger company looking for add-ons. And so the things that you learn, uh, the, the the nuances of the deal by taking some of the courses are, are, are so beneficial. And, and to the M&A source member that either was an M&A source member always or started from the IBBA, I mean, there's good deal flow out there for the companies you might represent that you're looking, that are you looking, that you're looking for add-on acquisitions. And so it, it, the, the beauty of the setup with the IBBA and the M&A source was always meant to work together because it goes hand in hand. And it's not just as, well, I'm at the IBBA and I'm going to graduate to the M&A source. No, it's, it's not how that works. It's, it's you want to, in both areas, be able to understand what's going on and utilize the resources that are available. So talking about the relationship with the IBBA and the M&A source, you know, it's strong, it's great. And, and like I said, so many crossover members so I want to ask you both, and this time I'll start with Randy. Tell me, IBBA 2022, what's going on? Well, how much time do we have, Chris? <laughs> you got five minutes or less for that answer, Randy. <laughs> one, thing, one thing I can say about the IBBA is uh, it, it, this is an incredibly robust organization and and the more you get involved the more you realize how many moving parts there there are and how much gets accomplished over the the course of the year um, and so there's a lot going on and there are goals and there are initiatives initiatives looking forward to uh 2022 we are uh currently at uh 2126 members so we ended up the year with a little more than 2100 members which is which is uh, about 200% more than we had just, just six years ago. So membership continues to grow. Uh, we have a, uh, a target of 2,500 members 
by the end of this year. Um, there's so much going on at the educational level. Uh, some of the things that I'm very, very proud about, um, things like a, a, a new master level uh, year-long program, which we will be offering to our brokers, should roll out this year. This is where the CBI certification, which of course is the premier uh, Main Street uh, professional certification in our industry, this is where that certification kind of leaves off and a master level uh, class and related uh, certification will be offered to our members starting this year. Um, many new online classes and demand courses, uh, a lot of our our summits, our recasting and, and pricing educational uh, courses continue to be offered virtually, allowing so many of our members uh, who can't attend in person to be able to continue to advance their education. Um, we have a new uh, CBI scholarship program, which was just rolled out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, enrollment is still open till the 17th, where we are offering a, a full ride, a full Certified Business Intermediary Education Ride for uh, deserving members in one of several different categories, an international member, a new member uh, uh, as, part of, uh, as part of the business brokerage profession, and of course, one of our female members. All are, are uh, encouraged to apply for, for, our, uh, for our scholarship program. Um, we are right in the middle of planning what will, and I know we say this every single year, but our May 6th and 7th uh, conference in, uh, in incredible Denver, Colorado, is, is absolutely going to be astonishing. We are uh, in the middle of planning now. We, we've got our keynote speakers lined up. We've got uh, a couple of dozen uh, amazing workshops that we've been looking at and vetting and selecting for the last couple of weeks. Uh, many, many exhibitors, some of them new, some of them returning for a second, a fifth, a, a tenth year will be on the, on the main concourse in our exhibit hall. Uh, but our, our conference in Denver is, is, is certainly one not to miss. Um, we've got a new and expanded awards program rolling out this year. And, and again, I mean, I could, I could go on for, for hours, Chris, but there's a lot happening at, at IBM. And, and, and if you do that, um, Kyleen Galuski um, will probably not be too happy with me because I'm going to probably ruin one of your webinars that talks about, you know, what you guys <laughs> have in store for uh, for 2022. So I'm going to cut you off so it's not to steal the thunder for, for what you have upcoming. So um, Not at all. Um, anyway. That, that's great. Those are always great things to hear. And and Jeff, you know, one of the things I'd love to hear about the M&A source, what's going on in 2022. And one of the things I've always loved about the M&A source were all the all the benefits I get for being a part of that. I get a lot of benefits of the IBBA, but a lot of benefits of the M&A source, you know, for, uh, for, for things that I would spend money on anyway that I get for being a member of the M&A source. So what's, what's going on with M&A source in 2022? Yeah. Yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right on that point. I always tell people, look, you can't afford not to be a member of these organizations. Yeah. If, 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 you're in, if you're in our business, you need the tools that we offer that, that you can't get for, you know, you can't, can't find the kind of value we can offer on that whole thing. So, uh, you know, I agree. But, yeah, I, you know, M&A Source, I, you know, I think that one of the things I've admired about what you guys have done 
and frankly, a lot of us at MA Source have done is, is the fact that you've really mobilized the whole online education offerings. I mean, it's impressive in terms of what you've been able to accomplish over the last uh, several years. And, and while we've relied a lot uh, in the past on our, you know, our, we run two conferences a year where we do education is, is really sort of the primary effort behind those conferences for us, besides our deal markets with the private equity community that we run at each one of those things. You know, we are we are going to really try to, to make a move this year on, and fund a lot of online education courses to, to get them so that people can access them when it's convenient to them as opposed to doing it around our, uh, you know, our conferences. And uh, that's an important initiative for us over the next several years. It's frankly to get to where you guys are and, uh, um, and to be able to convert a lot of that. Some of them, you know, I, I think in some some of our coursework is really best served to do it in person, working closely with an instructor. But where we can put it online, we want to do that and allow people to access it when they can. So, uh, you know, we're spending a, a fair amount of money and a fair amount of time to, to get a number of courses up online this year so we can access that. Uh, we are developing more courses and we've got actually a series of sort of five tracks, professional tracks that that um, if you select among, you know, for if you're an accountant and you want to get a sort of an M&A background through our courses, then there's sort of an accountant track to do that. There's a banking track to do it. Um, there's a few others like that, a legal track. And we, we're sort of organizing our coursework to allow people to select those courses to get them through on that track and certified under that track. So uh, uh, that's sort of a new init education init initiative this year. And we're filling out some additional courses to, to complement those tracks. So, uh, you know, for me, whether it was IBBA or M&A Source, I mean, the best part of the organization, aside from getting to know everybody and making a lot of friends and, and networking there, is really getting the education component out of it and getting your certifications like CBI and and uh, the M&A MI uh, out of M&A Source. I mean, it's it's what differentiates our members from the rest of the hacks in our industry, really, as far as I'm concerned. So. Uh, it's really, it brings a lot of professional into the whole thing. So we're just trying to enhance that this year, mainly. Oh. Uh, I'm, no, Jeff, I'm I'll, excited. I'll just, I'm sorry, Chris, but but I did want to just add that that maybe your last point is is one that hit home uh, directly with me. It's the peer-to-peer it's the -peer sharing that we get to enjoy at uh, whether it's at a, at a live conference or a virtual event uh, or you're, you're volunteering in, in the organization, uh, what we've learned is that what we've gone through, somebody else has gone through. And so the ability right. to be able to connect with others that uh, have experienced it, have gone through it, or can help us figure it out, relying on their experiences, is it, 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 priceless. And that's really why many of our members have expressed that they are in fact members. Right. That's what I always loved exactly. about both both groups. I'd go to the conferences and you know the the person that back home is my competitor, all of a yep. sudden at the conference we're we're talking and we're sharing. And 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 it's I've never met organizations like this where people are so willing to share and to give which kind of leads me into our next question. We have about five minutes left, 
So we're going to have to touch pretty quick on this, but you know, you both have reached the heights of what you can reach in, in both of your fields. I mean, you're, you're the chairs of the, the two greatest organizations around when it comes to do what we do. But, you know, there are people out there that join these associations and they look at, at the at the chairs and like, oh, how did they get there? Oh, you know, it's a good old boys club. What's going on? I happen to know that, yeah, it's a good old boys club. That means you're going to work really hard, donate a lot of your time and give a lot of yourself. And if they call that a good old boys club, then, then so be it. But no, it's what I love about both is it's open for anyone that wants to give to be able to succeed and work their way up if they choose to. And so some may not have the aspirations to be on the board, but they could still give both of these groups and organizations are built on volunteerism. So I'd like to hear from both of you what volunteers mean to each of your associations and what, and, and, and the invitation for those out there listening to help you and be a part of everything that we do. So Jeff, I'll start with you first. Yeah, you know, I, I think, I mean, I look back and uh, when I first went to an IBBA, or I first started going to IBBA uh, conferences, and may, mainly I did it because I needed the education. It's, there's no better education in the business brokerage world than what, what the IBBA offers to get going. And uh, But as I went to those conferences, you know, I, the m and Source Conference would happen right, right after, and so they were offering a... Uh, you know, what they call their leadership meeting, which is they would do it at breakfast time on a Sunday morning or a Monday morning. And they just, you know, download information to various members of the organization about what was going on. And they also offered a free breakfast. So I, I go, I went down the first time I went to that one of those meetings, I just went because I was going to get a free breakfast, but I sat there and listened to what they have to say. And, 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 you know, they, they, uh, if you're there and if if you get interested then you just raise your hand and they're 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 happy to have you participate and volunteer for the organization so to your point Chris there is no old boys club in this thing it's I, I didn't know anybody and this is a great way that I've gotten to know people over the years and it's been a lot of fun and uh, I've made a lot of great friends, and it's the best way to learn about your craft, learn about this this profession, by just getting involved and just showing up at some of these things and raising your hand when they ask if you want to do something. And uh, you learn a lot. You make a you build out your network, and and uh, uh, you make a great contribution. Because to your point uh, about collegiality. I, we often hear, I often hear this from pr the private equity community when they come to our conferences and say, you know what, I'm in a dog, deep, you know, cutthroat world out there. But when I come to these conferences, it's really just the nicest, friendliest, most sharing group of people I've ever been involved <laughs> with in terms of the transaction world, because it's just, you know, I, I think about that a lot. And I think that's the ethic and really what drives these, these organizations in terms of making them attractive and beneficial to its members. It's, it's all that sharing that goes on. And there's no better way to, to have that than to, than to volunteer with your organizations. There's always plenty of stuff to do. So basically, raise your hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah raise your hand and we'll call you. And raise your hand. Someone asked me one time, how is it that you're involved in so many things? I said, I don't know how to say no. I keep raising my yeah, hand. Right. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> they will, exactly. I promise you, if you're out there listening and you want to be involved in the M&A source, 
IBBA, they will listen and they will they will put you to work. They could utilize all your right. skills and resources. So, Randy, right. on the on the IBBA yeah. side, you want to talk about that? Yeah, and and thanks, Chris. I'll tell you um, a fascinating thing about the IBBA, and I've been involved in a number of organizations and forty plus years are working for a living, is the incredibly high percentage of our members that are also volunteers. Now, there are different ways to volunteer with the IBBA, but we have so many members that after being passive, for example, as I was for 10, 12, 13 years, as a member that just sort of takes the benefits and goes to the conferences, there comes a point where many of our members decide that they, they do want to be more deeply involved and volunteering is the way to do that. A lot of different entry points for volunteers at IBBA, some of them as simple as, as uh, writing an article for our quarterly uh, online magazine, uh, perhaps it's volunteering to teach a, a workshop. As I mentioned, we're reviewing 70 different members who have submitted workshop ideas based on their best practices that they're willing to share with with other members. Um, opportunities to 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 write white papers, um, certainly to participate in one of our many committees. Uh, your passion may be in in educational development, in which case we would direct you to our educational committee. Uh, you may want to be involved in conference planning, which which uh, which is a very busy committee right now gearing up for May. Um, so many membership committees, the awards committee, subcommittee, which is part of, part of membership. Um, and it may be that you uh, might see fit to potentially serve as a, as a board member. Every July, we open, uh, open the, the applications up, whether you uh, self-nominate or somebody else nominates you for a board position and those applications are looked at and ultimately uh, a number of those applications uh, go out to, to board vote and, and um, you might find yourself as, uh, as a volunteer at, at the board level. Um, but uh, the reason why in part this organization is so successful is because members have seen fit to give back. Uh, and the example that you used a minute ago, whereby you go to a conference and you, you might see your, your competitor uh, teaching a class, we see that all the time, particularly in workshops, uh, where a competitor is teaching you his or her best practices uh, to allow you to be a better business broker. And I think that just goes to the, the concept that a rising tide floats all boats, and, and that's what makes both of these organizations so absolutely amazing. Well, Randy, I, I'm not going to get offended that you didn't mention, you know, this little committee called the podcast committee. We're always looking for help, guys. So, you know, if you, <laughs> if, if you want to volunteer, I'm, I'm shamefully out there saying, come help us get better, you know, great guests like we do and, and, uh, and, and to get better at what we do and provide you the best information. So we're running very short on time, but I want to ask each of you, Randy first and then Jeff, um, real quick to give, uh, your advice, Randy, for the people in the IBBA, Main Street Business Brokers world, um, best advice for 2022. And Jeff, then, if you don't mind giving your best advice to the M&A specialist and the M&A source um, for, you know, for 2022, I would love to hear that from both of you. So, again, uh, Randy, if you don't mind going first. 
Crest, two concepts come to mind, and, and we could go down a list of these. But the, the first, I think, is that uh, more and more, particularly in the last couple of years, this is a numbers-driven uh, type of business that we're in. For those business brokers, uh, certainly at the Main Street level, that ha have not taken advantage of um, additional education classes to better understand valuations and recasting and, 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 a, and a balance sheet and, and the concept of working capital, those concepts, we have seen it become even more important uh, in this environment with our businesses having been affected upwards and downwards and sideways uh, from, from COVID. So get to know your numbers even better than you already know them. And the only other thing I would add is that, look, at our level, we are going to uh, approach a number of businesses. We're going to be referred to business owners. And, and after that initial meeting or perhaps two meetings, we will come to the conclusion that the business is probably not saleable or it's not saleable at this time. It's a piece of advice that I try to take. I try to teach myself, but there are times when the best practice is to just say no and move on and focus your attention on, on, a, on a business where you can get to the finish line. Those are the two that come to mind. Thank you. Yeah, there's Jeff. And yeah, the, both of those are very applicable to our, our members as well, uh, uh, Rand. I, and I would actually emphasize the education part of it. You know, the one thing that, that uh, people who are diligent about uh, take, uh, diligent about their profession. I often tell people diligent about their craft, which is is uh, you know ours is in the M and A world. Is 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 to be able to give your clients really good advice, and the only way you can get, give them really good advice is is uh, because they're relying on it. You know, they're making probably the biggest decision of their lives in terms of of trying to sell their business. And so you want to be able to help them in a way that's that's productive for them. And so I think the only way you're going to do that is to be to get educated. So I take advantage of everything that both organizations have to offer. And you're going to be better. You're going to be better than if you do that and you stay with it. You're going to be better than 98% of the rest of the guys you're competing against. And when you get that reputation, you know the referrals will come your way. That's the way you're going to get referrals by being really good. And um, um, you know, the word will get out that, that you're a go-to guy in terms of helping these owners transition out. So, so, uh, that's my advice just to keep at it, you know, keep at it in 2022, even if you're doing well, well you know, it's always, there's always something to learn. You can always do better, right? So just learn, yeah, learn, exactly. learn. Education is the backbone right. of both of the associations, but with the education and the knowledge comes the ability to earn. You know, you have to, I often tell people, I learned so that I can earn, learn to earn, right? So, um, right. And, and, and without the IBBA and the M&A source, I certainly would not have had the ability to do that. So, Randy, you know, I wish you the very best with your year as chairman upcoming for the IBBA and Jeff, the same for the M&A source. I'm going to thank you in advance for all the hard work you're going to do and all the great things that you're going to do for both of the associations that I, that I love so much. And so I want to start by, again, thanking you both for taking time out of your very busy schedules to talk to 
uh, our listeners at IBBA Insights. Thank you, gentlemen, very much, and best of luck the remainder of this year. It's going to be a great year for you. Great. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, pleasure, Chris. Thanks. Thanks for having us on. Good luck. Right. Absolutely been my pleasure. So if you're out there and you're listening and you may have missed an episode in the past or you just want to re-listen to some of our incredible guests, go to IBBA.org slash insights. Once you're there, you can subscribe with a click of a button using your Apple or Android device or simply by subscribing by email. Whether you're listening to this episode in the beginning of 2022 or sometime in the future, I hope you enjoyed hearing from the leaders of two of the greatest associations in the world, the IBBA and the M&A Source. For more information on both organizations, you can go to IBBA.org or you could go to masource.org and you can learn more about both associations. If you're not not a member, you should look into it. Be the best move that you've ever made if you're involved in the sale uh, of businesses. We look forward to bringing you new guests, touching on relevant topics that will help you aid you in the course of business this upcoming year. I want to thank you for listening and supporting IBBA Insights. I wish all of you a happy, healthy, and prosperous new year. God bless and good day.